0: This morning we begin a brand new series on anger, anger, how to let off a little steam without getting burned. Uh, it's possible to do that. Hey, uh, we got lights back there. In the, let's show our new lights back there in the overflow, guys. Can you show that off? That is so awesome. So y'all cannot sleep back there anymore. We can see you now, okay? I want to let y'all know that. Um, but we're going to talk about anger <clears throat> And, um, anger has got to be one of the first emotions we experience. It could be the very first emotion because the babies I see being born are pretty ticked off right off the bat. I mean, you slap them on the rear end, you know, that's going to make anybody mad. First thing you do is slap them. Isn't that something? I don't know if doctors still do that or not, but, um, babies do not look happy when they're born. Isn't it amazing how kids learn about anger real quickly? They learn three things. The power of anger. Anger has power. They learn the, um, the stuff that makes them angry. What they don't like. And they learn how to use anger to get what they want. Isn't it amazing the stuff we have to teach kids, but then there's all this other stuff that just really comes natural to them. And uh, everybody gets angry. Everybody gets angry at some time. The difference in anger is how you deal with it, the intensity with which you deal with it. Some people blow up, and some people clam up. Some people express it, and some people repress it. Neither of those really are good alternatives. So you're asking, I know right now, Pastor, if we can't clam up and we can't blow up, and we can't express it. And we can't repress it. What can we do with our anger? I am so glad you asked because the Bible tells us what to do. So we're going to look in the Word of God at four principles. Four principles in um, dealing with anger. And um, God's plan for allowing you to let off some steam without getting burned. Let's look at Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. There are three do nots, three do nots in here. Let, let me just say this about, um, God says thou shalt not. It is not to show you he's boss. When God says do not do this and thou shalt not do this, God is not trying to show you who's in control. He doesn't have to show you who's in control. I mean, really, all he has to do is think about you not being here, and you won't be here. Okay? So he's in control. I mean, you're like, and you're out of here. All right? So God's in control. So why does he say, don't do this and don't do that? Because he loves you. The do-nots we're going to read in this passage are the same as a parent going, do not play in the street, little two-year-old or 12-year-old, because we don't want our children to get hurt. That is the same reason God says to us, thou shalt not do these things. Do not do these things. Let's look at them. In your anger, do not sin. Now, you may not realize it, but that is a quote from the Old Testament. So what Paul is actually doing here is he's going back into the Old Testament and quoting Psalm 4 and 4. Psalm 4 and 4 says the same thing. It says you can get angry without sinning. Then he says, not only should you anger, but do not sin, also do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. That's a real good, for, real good one for husbands and wives. It's really good for everybody, but really for husbands and wives especially. And thirdly, do not give the devil a foothold. Okay? Because that's what he wants to do in your life. He wants to set up camp in your heart. He wants to drive down a stake in your life. You're a Christian and the enemy goes, okay, so they gave their heart to Jesus. I'll do the next best thing. I will just get a stronghold, a foothold in their life so they will be ineffective for the kingdom, okay? So this is not a suggestion. As we read through this text, it is not a suggestion. It is clearly a command. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at The first principle, and then we're going to look at a little bit of the second principle, and then we'll pick it back up next week, all right? The first principle in managing your anger, or allowing the Holy Spirit, rather, to manage your anger, is to admit you're angry. Admit you have anger. Because how many people have anger? All people. You say, no, I'm never angry. Never, never. You let somebody mess with one of your children. Amen? Isn't that right? And, and uh, you know that mother hen or what that daddy rooster, whatever. I don't know what, but it, it'll come up in you. Okay? So, so the text tells us to be angry. Isn't that interesting? To be angry but don't sin. In other words, God does not forbid anger. I've heard sermons that sounded like he did. I've heard teachers and preachers bring messages that made it sound like to me, if I got angry, I was sinning. I went by a church the other day, and I won't call the name of it, I love this church very much, but they had a sign out that said, whoever makes you angry controls you. And I thought, well, that sounds really good, just ain't true. Just isn't true, because God got mad in the Old Testament. I don't think anybody controlled him, do you? Jesus got angry in the New Testament. I don't think anybody ever controlled Jesus. So I don't necessarily agree with that. I know the point they were trying to make, but you can't make a blanket statement like that because God says it's okay to be angry. But I think God would also say it isn't okay for somebody to control you other than me. So we have to be careful what we say. God says, go ahead and get mad. Ain't that not? Isn't that so cool? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But then he says, however... When you get angry, do not say or do anything stupid. The Greek word for that is stupido. <laughs> I don't know. I just try to sound smart when I can. Um, with the help of the Holy Spirit, everybody say that. With the help of the Holy Spirit, I can obey this command. With the help of the Holy Spirit. See, people say self-control. We need self-control. i got to tell you all something. When I've been in control, that's when the mess is made. I don't want self-control. I want Holy Spirit control. I want Holy Spirit control. I've controlled myself before. And you say, well, how'd that work out? Not too good. Not too good. I don't want self-control. And I know what people mean when they say that. I want Holy Spirit control. I want God control in my life. Can I tell you all that when God took over the controls of my life, I was set free? I mean, when God took over the controls of my life, I wasn't in bondage. That's why, that's why so many people don't go to church. It's why so many people don't come to God because they see so many Christians who are messed up in their theology that when you become a Christian, you are in bondage. We no, 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 you're set. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is. Absolutely. God wants freedom. Man, when I gave my life to God, that's when I got free. And can I tell you that even today as a pastor, when I stray away from him, bondage. When I get close to him, free. Stray away, bondage, close, free. That is brought to you by our drama ministry. So God says we can become angry because sometimes anger is a valid response in life. Sometimes anger is a valid response in life. In the Old Testament, God got mad. You remember when uh, Moses went up to Mount Sinai to get the, the tablets, the Ten Commandments? Charlton Heston went up there. And when he came back, I mean, God had just done all these miracles right in front of the children of Israel, right in their face. All these incredible miracles to get them free from. Uh, Egyptian bondage and get them out from under the cruel bite and sting of the taskmaster's whip. And God deliver them and set them free. And in no time, they create this golden calf and begin to worship an idol. And when, and when Charlton Heston came down from the mountain, when Moses came down from the mountain, he saw what was going on. Y'all remember he took the tablets and just crushed them, broke them. You say but you said God got mad. Well when when the ground opens up and swallows thousands of people, God is ticked off. That's the Greek word right there, ticked off. And you can write that down. God got angry. Was that a valid response? Yep. Yeah. yeah. In the New Testament, Jesus got mad about stuff. When they turned the church into a flea market, Jesus got a whip out and went through and drove them out. Now, he didn't drive them out and go, now, y'all, I'm telling you, he went through that place and they scattered because he was, Greek word, ticked off. He was angry. You know who Jesus stayed angry at most of the time? Even Jesus didn't get along with Everybody. And I know we don't like to think about that, or even because, but it's true. Jesus didn't get on with the, with the hypocrites, with the Pharisees. Jesus' biggest problem when he was on this earth was with church people. Didn't say Christians, I said religious people. In Luke, don't go there, but just jot this down in your notes. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2 is the clearest picture of this. The Bible says that while Jesus was teaching, the religious people stood away from him and murmured against him. And the sinners drew near to him. That's the kind of church I want us to be. I love it when people come in here and go, Oh my, the pastor does not have only tithe. Surely he goeth to hell. I love that, man. Because that lets me know that, that the same people who didn't really like Jesus don't really like us. Are y'all with me on that right there? I'm telling you, the, uh, Jesus, his biggest anger was toward the, the religious people. Anger is a God-given emotion. Anger is emotional energy. And if you're never upset by anything, you better check your pulse. Or check and see if you're really in touch with reality. And some people say, well, when I get angry, I feel guilty. And so I think it would just be better if I never got angry about anything. You know what? If you never got angry about anything, that would be unhealthy and unbiblical. Unhealthy and unbiblical. Here's what God is saying to us this morning God's saying, Hey, listen, you're going to get angry. And when you do, don't feel guilty or pretend you're not angry. God says, Go ahead and admit you're angry because you can be angry and not sin. It's amazing we hate to admit it. I just love when people go, I tell you right now, I'm not angry. Stop saying I'm mad because I'm not mad. And stop saying I'm yelling because I'm not yelling. (laughs) We just hate to admit it, don't we? I am not mad. And the veins are going... We love to deny it. Why? Here's why. Because we feel guilty about it and we're afraid we might lose control. Can I just tell you that internalizing your anger, internalizing it does not make you a better... Christian than the one who expresses it. My point is whether you blow up or clam up, both of those are wrong ways to deal with anger. And they're not only wrong, they're ineffective when it comes to this whole idea of letting off a little steam without getting burned. Matter of fact, I believe if more people would obey the text that I read to you today that says do not sin when you get angry. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry, and do not let the enemy get a foothold in your life. I think if more people would obey that, we would have a lot less depression. I was reading about depression recently because depression is something that as a pastor in my counseling world, I deal with it all the time. And I found out that the number one cause of depression is repressed anger. The number one cause is repressed anger. One writer put it this way. He said, if you don't talk it out, you're going to take it out on somebody else when you blow up or on yourself when you clam up. Did you hear that? If you don't talk it out, you're going to take it out on somebody else when you explode or you're going to take it out on yourself by just holding it in. So the first thing God wants us to do is to admit it. Number two, number two. The second thing God wants us to do in managing our anger is to understand it. Understand our anger. This means that there is a difference between sinful anger and legitimate anger. There is a difference between appropriate anger and inappropriate anger there is a difference in helpful anger and hurtful anger and we need to understand that difference and as we've already said anger is not necessarily wrong it is not always bad so what makes the difference in good anger or bad anger well number one is why you got angry you need to understand why what is it that 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 You know, presses my buttons, and then you need to look at what am I going to do with these feelings of anger when they get there, because they're going to get there. How many of you know feelings of anger will slip up on you? (laughs) You'll be doing good, and then all of a sudden, fire just kind of shoots out of both ears. God says, first admit you're angry, then understand it. Here's what God's telling us this morning. God says when it comes to anger in your life, you need to ask yourself a few questions about it. You need to evaluate your anger, analyze your anger, and ask yourself, what am I angry about? Why does that upset me? What is really making me angry here? Not what is making me angry, but what is really, what is really making me angry? How many of y'all know sometimes we say stuff makes us angry when it wasn't that that made us angry, it was really something else? And that was a reaction. Let me get into that and explain what I mean. Anger is never the root problem. Anger is not the root problem. Anger is not a cause, anger is a reaction to a cause. Anger is a symptom. Anger isn't the root problem. It is a symptom of the root problem. Anger means there is a deeper issue going on somewhere. Anger is simply an emotional reaction to one of three other primary emotions that are deeper than anger. Stay with me here. If you want to understand your anger problem, if you're having a problem with anger, If you want to understand it, then you've got to find out which three emotions, which of the three emotions I'm going to teach on now and next Sunday that you're struggling with. It could be a combination of two of them or all three of them, or it could be just one of them. But the reason you need this information is because, and this is an important statement I'm about to make right here, it is easier to deal with the root of anger than it is to actually deal with the anger itself. Because when you're just dealing with the anger and you're not dealing with the root of the anger, you're not going to be successful. Because really, dealing with just the anger and you say, well, I've got it now, I don't get angry like I used to, but you didn't deal with the root of it, means that you're what? Repressing it. You're just repressing it. You've got to get to the root of the anger. There are three things that cause anger in our lives. Number one, We're going to just go over one of them today. Number one, when you're wounded. When you're hurt. When you are wounded. Number two, when you are frustrated. When you're frustrated. And number three, when you are afraid. When you're scared. These are the causes. And when you focus on the real cause... It's easier to control your anger. So let's look at this first one and then we're done. As we investigate the reasons for anger, let's look at this one that says hurt. When we're hurt, one of the, one of the reactions to being hurt, one of the reactions to being wounded is we often get angry. You can get angry when you're physically hurt. I mean, I'm not a carpenter. I am not a carpenter at all, but sometimes I will watch. Ask this old house. Anybody watch this old house? Ask this old. Or I will watch um, HGTV. Or I will watch DIY, and I will begin to think I can do these things. Because they do it, and it's easy as pie. And so I go, I can do that. So I get me some tools. And Millie always goes, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) And I get me some nails and boards, and I go to Lowe's or I go to wherever and get me some stuff. And I come home, and it ain't easy. And what I made don't look anything like what the guy on the TV made. And it took me three hours longer than it took him, and it looks nothing like what he made. But sometimes in that process, I will be hammering, and I will hit the wrong nail. (laughs) And when I hit the wrong nail, I will say something like, Boy, that makes me uncomfortable. You know, that's what y'all say when you hit it. You go, shucks! You know, you... Tell you a deal. How many of y'all, your car messes up at the worst times? At the worst times. Let me tell you something that will help you. And this has nothing to do with the sermon. Well, sort of a little bit. Get out of the car and kick the tire with everything you've got in you. Then run and get back in the car and blow the horn and pretend the car is crying. <laughs> y'all are, some of y'all are out there going, what is he talking about? This is therapy. As Barney Fife used to say, this is therapeutic. All right. Hurt. When you're hurt, when you're wounded... It creates anger. Quite often, the person we take our anger out on isn't the one who hurt us. When you have experienced rejection in your life, I'm going to tell you guys, I hear stories in my office of rejection that blows my mind. I hear stories of people who had parents who loved one of the other children more than they loved the other children. I, I, I just can't even fathom that. I hear stories of people who grew up in homes where the mom just talked all the time about what a failure you are, what a failure you're going to be, the dad fed that and just wounded and wounded and wounded. Had no idea they were being wounded and prob- or that they were wounding their children and probably they were brought up that way too. So that's their model for raising children. Can I tell you that as a parent, if that's how you were brought up, you need to break that in your family. You need to break it. You need to be the one to break it. I, I hear stories of rejection. I hear, I hear stories of this guy and his kids marry up with this woman and her kids, and they get married, and the woman tells the husband, if you want me to love you the way you want to be loved, then you've got to stop loving on your children so much and love on my children and give them preference. And I've seen men do it. Can you imagine as a little seven or eight year old, all of a sudden my daddy marries somebody and, and the person my daddy marries tells my daddy, you can't love them like you've been loving them if you want my love and daddy does it. That, is, that goes on in this world. Rejection. Some of you, Remember in your early childhood being just rejected. Maybe you were abandoned by your parents. I'm not, listen to me. I'm not trying to talk you into being wounded. Have y'all ever heard somebody stand up who kind of specializes in the area of wounding and they want to talk everybody into being deeply wounded? I'm not doing that. You know, I'm just telling you, some of you, have been deeply, deeply wounded and there is an underlying anger in your life that comes from that rejection and, and it causes you to respond to things that for other people would be very insignificant, but because of your wound, you know, if, if a person has had shoulder surgery, you can go up and pat a guy on the shoulder and say, Hey, man, how you doing? If he hadn't had shoulder surgery, he'll go, Good, man, how you doing? But if you go up and pat that guy on the shoulder who just had surgery, he may take you out with the other shoulder. When you're wounded, when you're hurt. Here's another one. Criticism. Criticism. Now, we're all going to get criticized. But, I mean, if you grew up or you are constantly in an environment where you are always criticized, where every fault you have is constantly pointed out and you are never told you're good at anything. I'm telling you, that's a wound. That's a deep, deep wound. The longer it goes on, the deeper that wound is. Injustice. Injustice. Racism creates deep, deep, deep wounds in people. Unfair treatment. I think we can all take some criticism and correction when we know it's deserved. But when it comes into your life undeserving, it creates a wound. And our tendency, naturally, is to strike back at the source of whatever it is that's hurting us. Whatever it is that's causing or supposedly causing that pain in our lives. It could be a memory. A memory. Something happened a long time ago and you've had no closure on it. It's unresolved. It hasn't been dealt with. So every time you're involved in an activity or a situation that triggers that painful memory, you get angry. I've had some unpleasant situations in pastoral ministry since I was 19 years old. I've been a pastor since I was 19. I've had some unpleasant pastoral things happen in churches I've pastored, and to this day, when I go back to those towns where those churches were, I feel, you know what I'm saying? I feel the loneliness. I I get a little, it just kind of comes back up in me, of the lonely times I had when I was in those places and I was hurting and it seemed like there was nobody to talk to. There was nobody to, to relate to about that. So a memory. You can say something to somebody. I mean, you can be in a conversation with somebody and everything's going great. And all of a sudden, you say something that triggers in them the memory of a wound. And all of a sudden, their whole mood changes. And they either they either won't talk. Well, they clam up or or blow up. And you go, man, I didn't mean anything. By that. Have you ever been there? I didn't mean anything by that. But you you stirred up a memory. You ever heard? You ever um, you ever woke up in a bad mood? You ever woke up in a bad mood? Oh come on, y'all look so holy. I mean, you just what? Wake up in the morning, and you're like. Nah. Now I'm not trying to get bizarre on you here, or weird, or pop psychology on you here. But I'll tell you something, man. I've had some dreams that made me wake up discouraged. And I've had some dreams about some past times in my life that were very, very difficult and very, very hard. And I will wake up, and it would take most of that day for me to kind of get that thing behind me. Y'all with me out there? So I'm telling you, memory can trigger that anger. And, and you know, Amelia will look at me on those days and go, what is your problem, you know? I thank God for Millie. I tell you, if I'd married somebody like Millie, one or both of us would be I mean, if I'd married somebody like me, I'm sorry, whoo, if I'd married <laughs> man, Woo! man, I about, I about messed that up bad right there. <clears throat> if I'd married somebody like me, one or both of us would probably be in jail needing some prison ministry. That is the most patient woman, loving woman. She wakes up every morning and goes, and which feral do we have today? <laughs> she goes, you know, God, what is wrong with you? I said, I'm just, I'm just not in a good mood. But why don't you fake it like you do when we get to church? <laughs> because I don't have to fake it with you. That's TMI right there, wasn't it? That was too much information. When I find somebody that gets extremely upset over a trivial issue, it tells me, and sometimes that person's me, it tells me that there's unresolved hurt. Unresolved hurt that's never been dealt with, never been settled in their life. Let me close with this. When I'm counseling somebody, sometimes they'll get angry. The more we get into it and the deeper we get into it, their anger will be toward me. Not that I've done anything or said anything, but we've, we've just triggered it. And early in my ministry, I would be offended by that. I'd be hurt by that. But over the years, I've learned that I don't need to take that personally. That is called, that is called displacement. When people can't take their anger out on the one that actually hurt, then they will, they will take their anger and their hurt out on another person that is an easier target. Are y'all with me? A lot of you guys do that to your wife, and a lot of you wives do that to your husband. After y'all have worked all day long, and you've worked with all these jerks. Amen? I, y'all should see the crowd I work with. And... Uh, and you get home at the end of the day. Well, you can't tell any of them at work how you feel because you might lose your job. So we come, on, we come home and do what? Take it out on each other. And we go, something's wrong with my marriage. And the problem is there's nothing wrong with your marriage. You're wounded by injustice on the job. And you're bringing it into your house and taking it out on your spouse. Let me give you some advice. Stop it. I'm serious, man. Stop it. Stop that. You say, I just can't control myself. Well, if you can't control yourself, tell me why you can do this right here. The phone rings. Hello. How you doing? Oh, praise the Lord. Yes, you can. Yes, you can control yourself. Yes, you can. Stop taking stuff out. I did it, man. When me and Millie first got married, I was the worst and I've asked her many, many, many times to forgive me for those days. So when you're a Christian, some of you guys are, are helping me with counseling. We're building a team here at the church. <coughs> excuse me. We're building a team here at the church of people who have the gift of counseling. And some of you are helping me with that. And I want to say to you, but but can I just say this to every believer in here, every Christian in here? At some point, people are going to discover that you're a believer, that you're a Christian. They're going to come to know that, and they're going to come to you. And you're going you're to be forced into a situation where you've got to talk to somebody and try to help somebody just because they know you know Jesus, and just because they know you go to church. And they're going to ask you. They're going to get you in a corner, and they're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're not going to have anybody else in their life who knows God. And they're not going to have anybody else in their life who's connected to God. And they're going to come to you. And they're going to to say a lot more stuff than you were ready to hear. Because they've been holding it and holding it. And I'm telling you right now, you need to get ready. And when you don't know what to say, you need to just say, man, I'm going to be praying for you and let's go have lunch one day. And if you just feel totally inadequate, and you just feel totally that that is out of your sphere of ability, then you hook them up with us. We'll help them. We'll help them here at the church. You say, "But they may not go to our church. they may have to go to church somewhere, so not go at all. They don't make any difference to us. We're not trying to get people to come to the church. We're trying to bring healing to the body. I mean, nothing would thrill me more than for somebody to go through counseling at this church and then go right back into this church, a healthy Christian, ready to serve God in their local church. How many of y'all think God would be pleased with that? And how many of y'all think if that's the way we think here at Whitley Church, that God's going to go, I'm going to bless Whitley Church? See, if it's all about I'm not talking to anybody unless I can get them in here, unless I can get them paying some tithes, you know, or get them in here so I can count them and put them on our number deal, then God's going to go. You know what? That's your motivation. You on your own. See, I, I want it to be about. I want to be like Jesus. If you just be like Jesus, the numbers and the money will take care of itself. Just be Jesus. Okay. But some of you have the gift to help people who are hurting and angry and have been wounded, but you've just never been. You've just never been put in a situation where you've been called on and once you sit down with them and you say well I'll talk to you I don't know if I can help you but I'll be more than happy to talk to you and you go have lunch with them and all of a sudden I'm going to tell you something I have been where I'm about to describe stuff starts coming out of your mouth and you're going this is good (laughs) this is good stuff you know what that is it's the gift it's the gift. Some of you have the gift of encouragement, but you've never been in a situation where you did it, where you've been called on to do it. Next time that happens to you, just go, you know what, let's meet and let, I'll do the best I can to help you. A good encourager is a good listener. Just listen. I've listened to people just go on and on and on and not hardly said anything. And when they got through, they just said, you're so awesome. And I go, I do what I can. (laughs) And all I did was let them get it out. And you don't always give advice other than, you know what? Get in your Bible. Get on your knees in prayer. Who is the one who's going to heal them? You? No. Him. You're going to point them to Him. Okay? All right. So you say, well, pastor, I've got some anger issues. What do I do? Let me give you three things to do. Pray and ask God to show you the root. Pray and ask God to show you the root. Where is this coming from? Why am I, use some southern language here, why am I always ill as a hornet? Y'all ever know that? Y'all ever heard that down here in the south? I saw a Yankee on Facebook this week put, I got an ill baby. I said, yeah. I understand that, eel baby. See, up north, that's sick. Down here, it's just, yeah. So you got to understand, we can get y'all Southern Dictionary. So pray and ask God to show you the root cause of your anger. Number two, talk to a believer who has skills and gifts and some training if you can. And we have those people here that will help you discover the root cause let that person be honest with you. Now, I'm telling those of you who have anger issues, the reason a lot of you can't get beyond it is because you won't let people be honest with you. You've got to let people be honest with you without getting angry. I mean, to get, to get angry with a counselor who's pointing out why you've got these anger issues is like getting mad at a doctor because the doctor says, Dude, you got an infection. I don't want to hear that. I'm going to another doctor. Well, you can. And you probably can find one who go, okay, okay, you don't have an infection, but then you're going to die. So you've got to let people be honest with you. And then the next thing you do is do what they say. When you talk to that friend and they give you three things to do or one thing to do, do it. That's like going to a doctor and he discovers an infection and... and um recommends for you or or prescribes to you a z-pack anybody ever had one of those let me some z-pack now. and you go back to the doctor and the doctor goes uh, man you look worse did you buy the z-pack yeah did you take it no I ain't took it yet you gotta do it when you sit down with the counselor that counselor goes listen here, here's the height of insanity. Y'all know that definition? To do what you've always done and expect different results. So you can't do what you've always done. You're going to get the same result. You've got to do something different to break to break that, that circle. Are y'all with me? Let's pray. Father, we need this kind of teaching in the church. We need it. I, I have a feeling if, if a lot of us had had this teaching a lot earlier in our life, we wouldn't have a lot of the junk we got to deal with now. Father, help us to understand that we don't have to be guilty when we feel anger. Because you said it is possible to have anger. And sometimes anger is a legitimate response to life but you told us not to sin. And I think when you said that, you meant just because you've been hurt doesn't mean you get to go out and hurt somebody else. Because we know that hurt people hurt people. So God, help us to admit our anger and then help us to begin to pray and begin to talk to our friends we love who can help us understand it and understand that it comes from Being wounded, it comes from being frustrated. It comes from being afraid, being scared. Help us, O God. Help us, O God, as Christians to get this thing healed in us so that our testimony will be even more powerful. Because what happens, God, is, is we have learned that when we do not deal with anger, our testimony is damaged. And so when we talk to people about you, it isn't powerful because people see the anger in us and it hurts our, 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 the power of our testimony. So God, help us today. Help us to be hearers of the word, but not just hearers, help us be doers In Jesus' name, and everybody said, now listen, if you would like prayer this morning, we're going to hang around up here at the front, and uh, some of my prayer guys and gals, if y'all would just kind of hang around a little bit uh, until we see if anybody needs prayer, and then, guys, those of you who are visiting, be sure and pick up your gift bag right back there. We're so glad you came. Don't forget your wild game night tickets, and let's uh, pack the house on Friday night. God bless you.